Hello and welcome to Crank and Commentaries. As always, I'm your host, Jake Domastro, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Mozart! I'm very excited for today's episode. Yeah, why's that? Because uh, it's an excellent film that we're covering. <laughs> and uh, what film would that be? We're talking about Amadeus, 1984, directed by Milos Forman. It's uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a hell of a film. It is a hell of a film. It's a long film, and this is going to be probably a lot of a lot of information about it that we're going to cover. So, so how would you describe the genre of this movie before we get into the summary? Drama. Yeah. Would you say it's historical? No. Or not? <laughs> I don't think anyone involved acknowledges that it's historical. Yeah. No one thinks it's a historical film. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyone, in, <laughs> anyone who think who's trying to assess it historically is uh, already yeah. missing the. But point. I figure we should probably get that out right out of the way. Yeah, yeah, this is not yeah. historically accurate whatsoever. Yes. When we'll cover that later, but that has that was not the point at all of this movie, even from the start. Yes. It was never supposed to be but... historically accurate. It's just a good setting for a drama. Yes. So we, yeah, we'll be talking about Amadeus, uh, and. I think we're about to get right into the five-minute summary, aren't we? Basically, yeah, yeah. We might as well just start right with the summary because this is such a big movie and it's so long and there's so many fucking things that happen. And uh, so, okay, well, actually, before we start, uh, did you watch the director's cut or the I believe like, I watched, theatrical cut? I believe I watched the theatrical cut. I watched the director's cut. Uh-oh. What? That's not good. We I don't can't... think there's that much... Plot difference. Still, it's very different. I don't Is know. It? I don't know. Let me just well, check which I mean, which version I watched. I think yeah, I watched. Double the check because it said right cut. at the beginning the the director's cut. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I watched the theatrical cut. Okay, well, we'll be talking about slightly different movies then. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um, we'll have to. We'll have to. I'll have to watch the director's cut for next week and you'll have to watch I don't the... think it's that different is it I don't know I don't know we'll have to each I watch think it more had to do with like the the rating of the movie you're yeah. saying there's more like... more boobs in it yeah I think so interesting interesting that's what I gathered but I'm there, sure we'll get there were that. two boobs in the theatrical cut I can't remember how many Are there, there more were. than that in... <laughs> I can't I, I didn't cut? count <laughs> okay well but anyway, why don't we summarize the theatrical cut? All right. Which is what you watched. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'll, that's what I'll do. Okay. Um, three? You, wait, are you ready first? Yeah, I, I think I'm ready. All right, three, two, one, go. All right, so you've got, uh, it's, it's, it's wintertime, there's snow, and you've got an old uh, Salieri is uh, 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 committing suicide because, or he's attempting suicide uh, because he's still being uh, uh, haunted by the, uh, the, the, the memory of Mozart, his, uh, his, uh, uh, his bane, I suppose you could say. So basically we have old Salieri. He's now in a mental hospital, I think, and he it's pretty grim, you know, 18 fucking 19th century uh, mental early 19th century mental hospital. So bad 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 stuff. He a priest comes to him and starts, you know, to a, 
you know, hear a confession because I believe he said something about murdering Mozart. So there's this uh, priest that comes in who's like, you know, uh, gonna hear his confession. So basically Salieri just starts fucking telling him his life story about how, you know, he fucking wanted to be a, 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 the greatest musician of all time. He wanted to be the greatest composer specifically of all time. One minute's gone. Oh, God. And, um... Uh, but his father doesn't want him to be a composer, but then his father dies, so he 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 uh, uh, he devotes himself to God and to being a, a, a you know an amazing composer. And he's he's mentioned that he's familiar with Mozart, but he does, he doesn't know him that well. Um, and then uh, uh, so basically Salieri just like rises through the ranks. I think he thinks that God has you know you know uh, blessed him because of his uh his uh, prayers, so he becomes the court composer to the uh, uh, Emperor Joseph II, uh, the Holy Roman Emperor in, uh, in Vienna. Um, and then you have uh, Mozart, who is, is uh, performing for some, I think, an archbishop. The archbishop is Salzburg, that's who it is. Um, uh, I, I, and uh, Salieri's there, and he meets Mozart, and he hears Mozart's music, and Mozart's music spectacular. Um, but he's like surprised because Mozart's like super, you know, obscene, and he's super like, you know, making fucking shit jokes and stuff. And he's not at all how he, how he, uh, uh, he thought he would be. Um, uh, and then I think the the Holy Roman Emperor wants him to come to the court. You're halfway. Oh God, I believe, and then um, basically Salieri is like fucking Mozart is like God is speaking through Mozart, um, and instead of me, and I'm just you know. But also Mozart's a dick. And Mozart, well, God's speaking through Mozart, and Mozart's like a fucking like you know non-virtuous dickhead. So like you know, God must be, you know, God must be fucking, uh, 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 you know, making fun of me. Um, so Salieri gets really mad. He burns his crucifix, and he's like, I'm going to fucking destroy Mozart. So he makes it his fucking, you know, his mission to, 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 to take down Mozart, even though he, like, fucking loves his music. So he's like, he, he basically, he hires somebody, like, a, to spy on Mozart, like a, a maid, basically. Um, oh, yeah, and then... Meanwhile, you've got his uh, Mozart's like marrying this woman. I forget her name. What's her name? Fucking uh, uh, Constant Constanz. Constanza? Uh, is it? I can't remember. Keep going. Um, but yeah, she's she. Their relationship is super tumultuous. Uh, he's you know fucking drinking all the time. She's you know angry at him for being a fucking debaucherous dickhead. He's writing amazing music. His music is getting better and better, but his, you know, his prospects are getting worse and worse. Uh, his health uh, starts deteriorating. His father shows up, and his relationship with his father is One horrible. Oh, God, his father's a real fucking uh, uh, dickhead, so his father doesn't approve of his life. So he's like, you suck, Mozart. I don't approve of you. So he leaves. Uh, and then Mozart, you know, goes... He gets more debaucherous, you know, stuff is going downhill, not making any money. And then he gets word that his father has died. So then he, he loses his shit, and then Salieri realizes that, you know, he's, he's, he, he, through watching Don Giovanni, that he's, like, fucking Mozart's obsessed with his father. So uh, Salieri, like, pretends, basically, to be, like, the ghost of his father and hires him to write his fucking Requiem. So, this, so he's writing this, and it's fucking going crazy. And then he's also trying to write another thing at the same time, for the vaudeville guy 
and he's going crazy and it's not working out and then uh, 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 Constanza fucking leaves him because he's being he's losing his mind and being a fucking dickhead and not making money and then uh, he puts on a fucking show and then uh, uh, for the vaudeville and then he 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 fucking is you know collapses ah oh, fuck and then he writes requiem and dies <laughs> I like how you got the end dies at the end. Yeah, yeah, well, he's important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, uh, basically, Mister uh, Salieri helps him write re Requiem at the end there, and he uh, and yeah, he, he dies. helps him write the Requiem. But like, did you didn't talk about Salieri's plan? Well, Sar Salieri's plan was was to uh, uh, you know kill Mozart and then like take credit for the Requiem. Basically, yeah, that was the. The plan all along, but it didn't come to fruition uh, as he would have hoped. And yeah, exactly, you know, but yeah. So basically, because he wanted he he not only wanted to ruin Mozart, he wanted to what like what did he say about like uh, ha having revenge on God? <laughs> yeah, he wanted to have revenge on God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He got he got really weird with it. Salier really went off the deep end in this movie. Um, yeah, definitely. And then especially at the end there, that <laughs> that's that last touch of the fucking nineteenth uh, century insane asylum is brutal. Like the one guy, oh, yeah. just, like with in the, the guy in the in the cage. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's a fucking patron saint so, but of a mediocrity. Note, a note on uh, the uh, historical accuracy. I do believe that Salieri did go a little off at the end and ended up in, like, a sanitarium. Yeah, well, we'll get into the historical accuracy next episode, you know? Okay, cool. There's a whole, cool. there will be a whole breakdown, I'm sure, you know? Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you might be right about that. I'll have to look into it, yeah. So yeah, that's, I think, basically all the important details. I can't, did I miss anything? Let me try to think. Okay. Um, yeah, I think you, after like, you hit most of it after we talked about it after the timer. Yeah, exactly. After we got the details after the timer that we missed. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's that's what happens in this movie. What are your What are your initial thoughts? Okay, so I think this is where me and you, kind of. Why Why don't you you first start off where where you are on this movie? Well, I think it's an excellent movie. I mean, I've always loved this movie. Fucking so many great details. I think the music is excellent, obviously, because it's Mozart, but it's also, you know, uh, performed and mixed super well and edited super well. Um, I'd say the set design and the costumes are, like, pretty close to perfect. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, I'd say the cinematography is spectacular. I'd say it's near Barry Lyndon levels of good. Uh, near? Okay. I wouldn't say it's <laughs> as good, but I'd say it's near near as good. And I think a lot of that yeah. is helped along by the set design yeah. and costumes. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to talk about some candles later. We'll see. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there are some candle shots in this movie, aren't there? Um, well, we'll talk about them, possibly. Cool. Not this week, though. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, I think the acting is really good. I think uh, F. Murray Abraham is awesome. I think Tom Hulse punches above his weight. Mm -hmm. Um. I think the story is excellent. I think the, the you know the dramatized version of it is spectacular. Obviously, so, it's so not historical. We didn't mention this, but this is based on a stage production, right? Yeah, of course, it's based on a yeah. uh, on a on a stage play. 
um, but loosely. Well, not loosely based, yeah. but it's not. There's a difference. We'll get into it. Um, yeah. And I just like, as a history nerd, I know obviously it's not historical, but I like the history references. You know, yeah, like Joseph's mm. c- constant references to his uh, his cousin. Oh, with <laughs> Marianne. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, uh, Antoinette. Mary, Mary Antoinette. It's Mary Antoinette. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And how, yeah, France is like, because this is basically right before the revolution kicks off, I think. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, um, he's talking about how they're getting, yeah, she's talking about. restless. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, just, exactly. It's obviously, um, I mean, there's yeah. a few moments uh, where it comes close, very close, um, to crossing the, and I would, this film's obviously not a biopic. Yeah. Um, but it, it, there's moments where it crosses a line into almost having that kind of like annoying factor that we've talked about before. With I can biopic. think of one scene. Which where the I'll one touch scene I'm on thinking later. of is the where he's re uh, reiterating Salieri's march is the scene I'm thinking of. And he's like a little okay. more. And then Duckett, and he's playing, he's like, don't you think? And it's just like, it's, it's not, uh, I don't love that well, scene. Well, I'm actually thinking of a different scene. What scene were you thinking of? Okay, well, so why don't I just, before I talk about that, like, <laughs> I thought it was an okay movie. Okay. Um, so, like, uh, it was, like, once again, great costumes, great set design, great cinematography, awesome locations and everything. Good casting. But I just thought that like, you know, it's a bit much. You know. <laughs> Not just the length, but like the whole thing. I I like, feel like you've missed um, the point though with that. It's an opera. No, no. We're watching a like no, no, do I, you see I, the operas they show on the screen? That's I what we're watching. Specifically, I think we, one of the things I think we spend too much time on is those operas. Yeah, well, you're wrong. <laughs> but, like, I think they, like, we spend too much time watching the operas that they have that they're I like, heavily disagree. Producing. I heavily disagree. I think that's the yeah. most important part of the movie. I think without really? that, you, you, yeah, you've missed the point of the movie. Well, I think they should have them. I think I that's think the they point spend of the movie. Like a third of the movie on it. Yeah, and that, but that's the point. Is the point is you're supposed to be weaving it in to like the, the the movie's not about Amadeus. The movie's about the music. So I think I, it's, I don't know if that's the way I interpreted it, or well, if that's, that's necessarily what I think they thought the point was when they were making it. But maybe it was we'll actually, and we will get okay. into it. Okay. Okay. But yeah, yeah no, like I think they the spend... music as a character. Right. I think they spent a bit too much time on like, you know, literally replaying those operas to us. I disagree because I think the fact of that it was supposed first of all, it's a space on a stage play as you mentioned. So so yeah, much no, no, of I'm... it is recreating this kind of feeling of the stage, but because it's a movie yeah. you have to do that on their actual you know the the stage in the film, and then secondly, yeah. I think the you know it's the point is how gaudy it all is, and it's supposed to be super intricate, and there's so many little details. Yeah, no, like, no, I got that, but I got that after maybe one or two of them. I don't know, man. Each one has a different point in the film, and uh, 
Yeah, like, I don't think they need to spend as much time on there. And the scene that I was thinking, because it really annoyed me. Mm. <laughs> and I understand this movie was not, you know, and most movies aren't produced with the fact that music nerds will be watching it. But the scene right near the end, where Cialieri is dictating the, uh... Oh, no, that, that dictated seems great. The... You have to put your... your you have to put and, it aside. And then, like, um, you know, fucking... Uh, Mozart is telling him like these like really pretty normal like musical ideas. Yeah, and then Salieri is just like, "Oh no, you can't do that." Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's like, I or mean, I don't understand. You know, I don't know. I think you might be over analyzing that. Or yeah. or under analyzing it. That's actually. where it, it's it was a bit biopicy for me. That honestly didn't bother me at all because I think that yeah. part was that part was great. Um, okay. because I thought the way they worked the actual music in was spectacular. To that, I thought that was really yeah. really well done. So it didn't really bother me that they were like kind of randomly throwing in music words in that didn't really actually make a lot of sense. Or that like you know w- they made sense, but I mean like they weren't like. They were saying things that shouldn't have garnered the reaction that they did. I don't, I, I mean, I don't know enough about what they were saying to say that for sure, to be honest. Okay. And I'm not confident that you do either. <laughs> well, I, I think I do. <laughs> I, well, here's what I think. I think that Salieri wouldn't have been confused by it. Why? Because he was a very accomplished composer of his time and he should have understood, like, that. I think I basically hit on, the, like, I just think that, like, while there's a lot to like in this movie, like, I think everything is a, just a bit too much. Yeah, no, I, I, I could see that. I mean, I think you're wrong. <laughs> but I think it's also a taste thing, you know? Um, yeah. Because to me, this movie is an opera, and I think everything in this movie is, like, kind of suppo- where it's supposed to be. There's not really any fat, in my opinion. Too right. trim. I think each opera scene is, you know, adds to the movie. Each piece of the opera I think they do the to a point I like I don't think <laughs> like because like if you think about it like you know you're watching this opera which was written like in a context where for example you might actually understand what they're saying first of all interesting were you watching them yeah what do you mean was I watching them well I just you just said you didn't get anything out of them so I was just wondering if you were watching that all. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was fucking watching. Yeah, no, them. I get that. I think they could, I could, I could see them being a lot, but I, I thought they were, I thought there was yeah. no fat. I and I also they, thought they just added... the kind of the movie became a little bit confusing in the final third. There's a lot going on. There wasn't a lot to kind of motivate like certain events. You know what I mean? Like the inexplicable like illness of uh, Mozart, right? Yeah. They kind of don't really go into why that happens until, like, the very end, and then I think it's kind of a... It's really just Salieri's interpretation of it. And then, like... Yeah, they just... It just kind of becomes a bit hard to follow. Fair enough. There's a lot of yelling and shit. I didn't find that. And I also found that, um... Uh... 
Mozart's, Mozart's death is one of the more historically accurate things. About no, it, it is actually, it is. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, the build up to it, like, I feel like it kind of felt like, oh, this is the part of the script where Mozart has to have his downfall, so let's just do that. And I think that's not just a problem with this movie. I think a lot of movies do that. Right. I don't. I don't agree. Like I even think, good I movies think it, do I that. I think it's a very, very like, uh, slow build, a very clearly followable arc to like his right. downfall. No, no. I, like obviously you know it's gonna happen, but like I just feel like they kind of, it kind of feels like it was inevitable, and it's just kind of happening because it's that part of the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's inevitable. It has a feeling of inevitability, but I think that's not because it's just because it's that part of the movie. I think it's because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's being told from Salieri's perspective, who's already yeah. experienced it. So it is kind of inevitable in a sense. Yeah. I think the choice of having it be told by Salieri was interesting. Yeah, that was like as it. you said, it should be called Salieri. <laughs> did I say that on air? I don't know if you did. No, I it... didn't. But anyway, yeah, I said when I first started this call that uh this movie should be called Salieri. <laughs> yeah, it should be. I, I agree. It and I think Salieri. um uh the actor who played Salieri, uh F. Murray Abraham did a really, really good job. Yeah. He's good. He was awesome. But yeah, yeah. And good. um I think this movie actually got a lot of people to listen to Salieri again. <laughs> actually I think you're probably right. I'm sure as soon as, you know, people <laughs> yeah, saw like... this movie or watch the stage play, which we'll talk about shortly, they like, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go listen to some Salieri, see what that sounds like. I know, like. exactly. It's like... I know I definitely did the last time I watched this movie. I was like, I was listening to Salieri earlier. But like I just think like um the irony of this movie is that like you know, it gives Salieri a name. It gives, yeah. I mean, not that he didn't in his time, but he kind of like uh, over the years. And this is like just, I guess he didn't have um, the same sort of mystique that Mozart did, right? Yeah, yeah. As is in this film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know that he kind of, um, you know, his his music kind of went out of fashion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Until yeah, no, after totally. this movie. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, yeah, it does yeah. kind of. It, it is interesting. Yeah. So that's final thoughts, right? We we're still in final thoughts. No, it's initial thoughts. Initial. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Initial thoughts. Yeah, we're not even close to final thoughts. Yeah, yeah we bit. literally just started the uh, thoughts. Yeah, good point. We're almost half an hour. <laughs> Jeez. Um. Yeah, it might be three parts. Uh. The. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Basically, I think. The most important thing that I I feel like needs to be known about this movie is that it shouldn't be taken as like happening in a real world, if that makes sense. It's it should be I mean, looked at I as get that, a but stage I feel like that's... opera because I think it, it the whole fact that it is told as a memory, the whole fact that it's woven yeah. in with all these performances. I think it's supposed to it's supposed to but mimic it. But I feel like it. that's that's kind of at odds with like, you know, the you know, the locations being so real and the costumes being so accurate and everything, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have I to agree maybe, to uh, disagree on this I think one. we'll have to agree to disagree on that, but... <laughs> Um, but yeah, let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about the, uh, basic fact. Cause, all right. cause we could argue about this all day. We could. And um, probably will. And we will, yeah. <laughs> and many more days to come. 
So yeah, Basic Facts, directed, as I mentioned earlier, it's directed by Milos Forman, uh, legendary director. Nice pronunciation. Yeah, see, I got it. I saw the, the accent You saw there. the accent there. Yeah, there's a, it's Milos. I saw it. I saw yeah. it. Legendary uh, director. Absolutely. Uh, Czech slash American director. Famous, obviously, for uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, among other films. This film, obviously. What else did he do that I've seen? He did The People vs. Larry Flint Hair. in 96. Hair, yeah, right. I forgot about that. Among others. He's, again, legendary director. Um, this film came out in 1984. Uh, the screenplay was by one Peter Schaefer, who we will talk about quite a bit more because, uh, as you mentioned, there was a a stage play. Yeah. And Peter Schaefer's the the guy who wrote the stage play. Wow. Um, you know, I, I love it when, when the original author also does the screenplay adaptation. I love it as well. I think it's super interesting. And I who mean, Who is the guy that wrote The Exorcist? Because uh, he did the... Yeah, Blatty. Yeah, William William Peter Blatty or something like that. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, and the first one was great. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He did did a great job. And he directed the first one. He didn't didn't do Exorcist 2, though, did he? No, no, he had nothing to do with it. But unrelated. Uh, (laughs) Entirely. Except for the fact that Peter Schaefer was the the guy who also did the the stage Yeah, they both adapted their own material. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, it was produced by uh, Saul Zance, who I think worked with Milos Forman on most of yeah, his other Yeah, Saul, Saul Zance has done, uh, done a lot of shit. Yeah, he's a, he's a legendary producer. It's a very legendary production, I think. Yeah, um, there are a lot of people uh, working on it. Yeah. There were some really uh, great interviews with Saul Zance about this movie, actually. He had some... Uh, oh, yeah? He's he's just say. pretty funny. Oh right, right. He did um, the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, uh, that's, <laughs> little that's, movies. Like a, a couple films that you couple might be films, familiar yeah. with. Yeah, I'm just sorry. Um, he because he did the animated version of the Lord of the Rings because he. Saul Zance. Yeah, because he acquired the rights in 1976. Oh, and then he just held on to them until he gave until he, they made the Peter Jackson movies. I get eight years after his death. He died in twenty fourteen. I'm just trying to figure this out. So did Wait, he? He's not listed as a producer of Lord of the Rings. Oh, it seems he didn't really have anything to do with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it seems like he just bought the rights. He just owned and sold the them. rights and then sold them to, you know. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. but he made the he made the animated Lord of the Rings if you've ever seen that. Right. Okay. Nineteen seventy eight. I have actually seen that. It's, yeah. You know, I'm disappointed they never finished that. Me too. Me too. Maybe they will. Like I watched it. I thought it was pretty good. And it's like, where's fucking two and three? Exactly. How yeah. long is that? Um, the, the animated, the animated one. one I yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. It was like it was Ralph Bakshi, wasn't it? The uh, uh yeah, it was Ralph Bakshi. Awesome animator. 133 minutes. Wow, it did yeah. quite well. I Sorry, know, yeah. We're going I don't down know the rabbit they... hole. Yeah, we are. Maybe one day we'll do that. Yeah, it's interesting. That interesting. would be the 
most hilarious thing is to say, like, we're doing Lord of the Rings, and then we do the one that people don't think we're going to do. Yeah, that would be super annoying of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be very annoying of us, wouldn't it? Yeah. But it would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I found it super interesting that uh, when it was listing the cast, well, not interesting, but interesting. This is funny. Amadeus. We're back at Amadeus, right? Back at Amadeus. We're, yeah, we're back to Amadeus. Yeah. When it was listing the cast, F. Murray Abraham, who played Salieri, was listed before Tom Hulse, which just further... Well, who was enforces... listed on the poster? Good question. Let's look. Um, which further enforces that, uh, you know, it should have been called Salieri. It says, Saul Zant's name's first. Well, yeah, obviously, but... Um... And then Peter Schaefer and then Milos Forman, and then F. Murray Abraham, and then Tom Holtz. Yep. I think that might have to do with just kind of, like, seniority or whatever. There's a whole bunch of shit that has to do with how order of names getting listed. Right. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's not... Yeah, it's usually not an easy decision, and I think the union is involved in it. Right, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I'm sure the union... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think there are some union rules about how uh, order of billing goes, but uh, maybe I think it'd be fun if one day we had an episode where we just like try to figure out like really arcane Hollywood rules. That would be fun, actually. And we just should... talk about them. Yeah, we could do that. Like a non like little known Hollywood like uh, facts. That would be fun. So yeah, F. Murray Abraham, obviously, Tom Holtz is uh, Mozart, and Tom Holtz is Wolfgang Amadeus, yeah. Relatively Wolfie. unknown actor at the time. He'd been on Broadway before, though. Okay. So, you know, he, he wasn't a, a ridiculous choice or anything. He was just kind of an unknown choice. And then you have Elizabeth Barrage, who played... Uh, Constanza. I always mispronounce the name. Is it Constanza? Uh, is it? I. Okay. I can't tell if it's Constanza or Constanza. Constanza. Because it's it's German, right? So right. <laughs> it's probably Constanz. Uh, but then, is played by Elizabeth Barrage, who yes. didn't really seem to do much else besides this film. Um, she was in. She was on a TV show that I've never heard of. Okay. On NBC that ran for three years. I just clicked on her Wikipedia article and I realized there was a purple link. So you've been here and before? No, I clicked. Um, I just realized, like, I clicked on her Wikipedia article and in the Wikipedia article, uh, I noticed her spouse had a purple link. Uh, who's her? Oh, Kevin Corrigan. Kevin Corrigan. That's so weird. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> Kevin Corrigan. Uh, Interesting connection. He was in. He was in. Uh, uh, Pineapple Express. Pineapple among Express. other things. Yeah, he's been in tons of movies. Tons of movies. That's Two so movies weird. that we've done. That's so weird. Yeah. What's the other one? Uh, Living in Oblivion. Remember? Right, he was right, right. The, uh, he was the first, first AC. A- a- first AC. That's hilarious. What a weird yeah. coincidence. Weird coincidence, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, small world. So she's married small to world, Kevin yeah. Korg and Elizabeth uh, uh, Barrage. Barrage. And then, yeah, there's other people. Some uh, Who plays the the emperor? It's, uh, is, it, is that oh, Jeffrey Jones? God, I was looking at this earlier. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, that's the guy. Um, 
who's you know my who I know him as uh uh the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> oh shit! No, that's him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. Um, Jokes. Uh, what like, else is he in? He looks he looks really familiar, right? Yeah, he's he's a he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's done a bunch of character work. I think he he was in Beetlejuice. Um, right. Okay. He was in Hunt for Red October. Bueller's Day Off. But yeah, this is fucking hilarious. All right, nice. He's in Stuart Little. Um. Anyway, so fit cinematography. Uh, who I imagine we'll talk about this guy more at some other section. Uh, you want to give it, you want to give it a go at pronouncing that? <laughs> okay. Here we go. The first name pretty is relatively easy. Miroslav. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Andrzejczyk. Um. Okay. I might. Miroslav Andrzejczyk. It be. Would it not be Czech? Andrzejczyk. 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 I don't know. Like. Uh... Andrzejczyk. Miroslav Andrzejczyk. I feel like okay. So if this guy was a hockey player and I was the. Uh the fucking commentator. Yeah. I would probably say, and Andrzejczyk has. <laughs> yeah, and Andrzejczyk has the puck. Exactly, yeah. You yeah, know? And until he corrected you, so. Yeah, so I'm going to call him Andrzejczyk. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like he worked on a bunch of movies with uh, uh, Milos Forman. Forman. Yeah. Yeah. They're both part of um, what is known as the uh, Czech New Wave school of mm. film. Which I'm not all that familiar with. To be honest, neither am I. Yeah, I'm sure film nerds are, but clearly it's enough of a thing to be a thing. <laughs> it has a Wikipedia article. Precisely. But yeah, so he uh, did the uh, cinematography, and then obviously Saul Zantz uh, produced it with his production company. Um, did we mention when it came out? I think we did, 1984. Uh, 1984, yeah. Which is an excellent year for content. Lots of good movies, lots of good music, 1984. Uh, yeah. <laughs> quite a long movie. Yeah, 161 minutes. Uh, I wonder how many of those minutes are opera. Yeah, quite a few. I'd be curious to know yeah. how many of those um, minutes. Like, if you I, cut, if you I'm cut gonna each guess... opera scene in half, I wonder how long this movie would be. Wait, okay, what's, uh, what's 161 in hours? I think it's three almost on the nose, right? Yeah, because I think the the copy that I had was basically exactly three hours. And that yeah, was the director's too. cut. So Oh, then maybe I was watching the director's cut. No, maybe. My copy was three hours on the nose, basically. Oh, and you said there were two boobs in it. I bet there you were, that was the director's cut. There were two boobs. I feel like there are probably no boobs in the, uh, in the, uh, the non-director's cut. Let's let, okay, let's go on the IMDb page and look at the parent's guide. Okay. Because that will tell us whether or not. Yeah, exactly. There were boobs in it, um, in the regular cut. Anyone who's not familiar with the IMDb Parents Guide. Where is that? I've never clicked on that. Where is that? It's usually just if you scroll oh, here it is. down. Uh. Oh, it says it's rated R for brief nudity. Oh, so there you go. So. It says there is a brief frontal male nudity in the theatrical cut. What? Yeah. Um. I didn't remember that. I don't remember that at all. Probably because we were both watching the director's cut. So yeah, I guess I watched the director's cut. Um. Where's the? Wait, but then it also says the theatrical cut doesn't include any nudity. 
What? So clearly, this is in. It's one of these statements is incorrect. Yeah, where is his, where are you? Where did you find this? I'm parent on the parents thing? guide. I just control I, I, F parents guide. Oh yeah, there it is. Okay, parents guide. Okay, let's see. Yeah, right. Okay. Brief full frontal male moody in the family. Yeah, that's incorrect. That can't be. Profanity, alcohol, drugs, frightening, intense scene. Yeah. Hmm. The theatrical version doesn't include the c word. What's the c word? I assume. Cunt. Oh, okay. Okay, literally, it says that next. Yeah. Um. Okay. I don't remember if he's. Mozart is shown the... drinking copious amounts of alcoholic beverages. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. This is this uh, is a fact. Um. Uh, yeah, uh, Mozart is seen with a large container of alcoholic beverage during all of Salieri's concertos. He is intoxicated at the end of each scene due to that. Frightening and intense scenes. Mozart is shown to be a heavy drinker, and there's lots of partying scenes, including alcohol. This may be intense yeah. to the younger audience. So it doesn't really, uh... uh okay. Confirm. This is some weird wording. Salieri interrupts Mozart as in his girlfriend as they attempt sex. <laughs> that's that's really definitely the scene work. in the that's definitely the scene uh where you first meet Mozart. Yeah. Where Salieri first sees Mozart, right? I think that's what it is. I think that's what they're talking about, yeah. That's clearly written by someone. Uh I don't think that English is that good. Yeah, that's not that's not a, a very uh, English uh, articulate. Uh, well, I'm backfiring because I'm trying to say that they're not very articulate in the least articulate way possible. Yeah, definitely. But that's you know neither here nor there. <laughs> attempt. It just makes it sound like it's like attempted murder. Or yeah, something. I know they they attempt sex. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they like really failed. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, this movie only surprisingly actually only cost eighteen million dollars. I say only. Really. That's a lot of money, but that's less than I would have thought. Yeah, that's less than I would have thought, considering how many extras were in it. Yeah, a lot of extras in it. Although they were European extras, if that makes a difference. It's true. They were Czech. Uh yeah. So. Which we'll talk about know. in part two. Exactly. Um, and, but this mo movie obviously made a bunch of money. Uh, it did. Made this was a very successful movie, from what I understand. Yeah, even even though there were two boobs in it, it made ninety million dollars. Well, I have to look at the theatrical version. Yeah, we have to figure because this there's out. conflicting we'll conflicting information on IMDb, and I watched the director's cut. So yeah, and I'm not sure what I watched. So we'll figure it out for next week. We'll yeah, we'll one hundred percent. But I I I'll uh you. Rewatch what you have because, um, for mine, it literally said right at the beginning the director's cut, right? Let me make, let me just do that right now. Um, oh, yeah, it's the director's cut, it says DC, yeah, okay, so title. we watch the same version, yeah, yeah, okay, so that actually <laughs> that clears things up, that a means bit. that clears things up, and that means that, uh, we're talking about the same length of scenes that I think are too long. That yeah, you yeah, yeah. Too long. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I was thinking possibly thing. I watched one where it had even more opera in it. Maybe, maybe. But that's not the case. No, we no, watched no. The same amount of opera. No, I could have used some more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I could have used some more opera scenes, to be honest. Right. <laughs> um. 
but yeah, so it made ninety million dollars. That's a lot of money. Uh, yeah, for good. for a movie of of this era type and era. Do inflation on that, and you'll get a lot of money. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, I guess I will. Let's say ninety million in nineteen eighty four dollars. Eighty four. Would be two hundred and fifty five million approximately. Yeah, pretty significant. So what about eighteen fucking... then? Well, I mean just do the same. So fifty one million, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's honestly a little bit closer to what I would have imagined. So I guess with inflation. Yeah, I think maybe you're sense. just not thinking of uh inflation. Inflation, yeah, yeah. You know. So yeah, it kinda makes sense. Actually let me let me quickly check. Is there a big di- let's let's go twenty nineteen dollars? <laughs> yeah, good point. Oh good wow, point. that's uh, that's huge difference. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a lot of inflation. Well, it's forty four million versus like fifty one. Oh yeah, that's right? a lot of inflation for three years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but anyways, well, well, you know, we all know what happened. Yeah, yeah, more more on the economics, crank kick economics. Podcast. Yeah, exactly. Next week. But yeah, so th- let's talk about the stage production because that's uh that's super important and that's obviously where it started. Because okay. as we've mentioned several times now, this movie was based off of a stage production. Um, yes. But I I thought it was uh an original stage production by uh the guy we mentioned already already Peter Schaefer, but actually it was not. It was uh it was originally written by well. A version of it was written by Alexander Pushkin in uh in 1830. Okay. Pushkin, um, rather. And th- this version was called Mozart and Salieri. So perhaps is... a more accurate title. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But maybe not as impactful. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so this is sort of like part of several little plays, and I think basically this is where the whole kind of like. The mythos of uh, Mozart versus Salieri came from? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, who knows? I haven't read the play. It's in Russian. I haven't read the translation. But this is, I think, where it all came from. And there were several other versions that were made of this. Uh, It was adapted a couple times. And then in 1979, finally, it was adapted by, uh, by Peter Schaefer. Yeah. And so this is like some derivative of some many generations from this version. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and Peter Schaefer at this point is like, you know, he's already a successful like uh uh playwright. He's he's, you know, successful on the stage and in theater. He's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh this is just his next project basically. So Right. It premiered at the uh the Royal National Theater in London in 1979. Yeah, yeah okay. Cool. What were you going to say? No, nothing. I was just thinking about like the Mozart versus Salieri like just thing. And I was just remembering that episode of Seinfeld. With, yeah. Was it with the Maestro? Yeah, that's a great episode. We'll talk about um, Yeah. Anyway. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> you know you hurt the Maestro's feelings. <laughs> oh why? Because I didn't call him Maestro. That's right. You know, I feel a little funny calling somebody Maestro. Yeah, it's nineteen seventy nine, Royal National Theatre. Obviously it was super successful, so it by 1980, it was uh, 
moved over to Broadway, um, mm-hmm. starring Sir Ian McKellen as a oh. Salieri. Another uh, vague connection to Lord of the Rings. Exactly weird, and uh, and Tim Curry as a uh, 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 Mozart. Very good choice. And it was yeah, it was directed by Peter Hall. One. A bunch of Tony Awards, I think like seven Tony Awards. Like everyone in the cast won a Tony, and the director won it. It was huge success. But then, so the the role of Mozart was played by a bunch of different people. Uh, yeah, on Broadway. In I I read a little bit about this. The early '80s, yeah. So a bunch of people replaced Tim Curry, who left the run after a while. And one of the names that stood out to me, who I'm sure also stood out to you. Was uh the uh you know famous for his role as voice acting as the Joker, Mark Hamill. Yes, and if I don't pay up, I'll go to jail for tax evasion. <laughs> I'm crazy enough to take on Batman, but the IRS, no, thank you. That's literally what I would. That's the joke I was about to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you ever yeah. watch Batman the animated series, this guy this guy voices the Joker. He also you know was in a another movie yeah he's, in a, he's been in a few he, movies but he's he, also he's he in, voiced uh fire lord voiced, ozai in uh yeah exactly Avatar Last uh, Airbender. great voice actor this guy great amazing voice actor and but yeah he he he, he, played, he was in some movie in the 70s like i think it was like uh i think was in, yeah but anyway anyway mark <laughs> hamill was mark on hamill. broadway <laughs> he was mozart on broadway yeah, surprised me a little bit to be honest, but I think. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense if you like. I mean, I I feel like Mark Hamill kind of got fucked by Star Wars to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I, I this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I was looking into that because I was like, I need to know more about this. And I think yeah. From what I understand, he was considered for this movie, and he literally didn't get the role. Well, I don't think he was because cons- of that. He wasn't considered because of that, but he. He, what he was saying is he wanted to But that audition. was the reason why he yeah, wasn't. Yeah. And then yeah. Milos Forman was like, no, you can't because, you know, they're going to be thinking you're Luke Skywalker and I want them to but be But that's literally the reason that Milos Forman gave. Yeah, which is such a It was bummer. because he was Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And I mean, I think which, that's... if I was Mark Hamill, I'd be like, come on, fucking, fucking really? <laughs> like... Yeah, uh, totally. And I think, I think he definitely struggle with that for a while i'm sure if you, you yeah watch some interviews of him talking about that i think of course yeah. he's come uh you can tell he's uh come to peace with it he's embraced yeah it obviously fully. i mean yeah um but, but yeah, that's probably how he ended he was... up doing all those great voice acting appearances exactly and he, he was just trying to do other stuff he was trying to be on broadway he was in a bunch of broadway stuff in the, in yeah, the early exactly. 80s like just after star wars basically he was like trying to do you know different mm. things yeah, definitely. But anyway, that's uh, that we're skipping ahead here. He was actually in it in one of the runs in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. But apparently, it actually the the movie idea spawned uh, quite a bit before that in one of the first running in London in uh, nineteen seventy nine. Oh, okay. Because Peter Schaefer invited uh, Miller Foreman to one of the shows in nineteen seventy nine, just you know to come see what was what was going on. And apparently Miller hated the idea at first. He was like, fucking, this is boring, you know, I don't want to do, like, a biopic about music. It's like, yeah, it's not my vibe at all. It's not what I want to do. Um, mm-hmm. But then he saw the first act, and he was, like, fucking into it. Super, super sold. 
And he, he said to Schaefer, quote, if the second act is as good as the first, I will make a movie out of it. Nice. So I guess the second act was as good as the first, in his yeah. opinion. Um, but yeah, so then, there you go. And I mean, I, I mean, I was talking about, like, kind of how we disagree on the movie, but I do think the first act was, was very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> it is very good first act. Very, very good, good first act. But yeah, so this that's that leads us kind of to the pre-production period because now it's it's a movie. After he sees this, you know he's made up his mind, so he calls up uh, Saul uh, Zantz, who we mentioned earlier, his producer, and he's like, "Have you seen this play? You got to see this play. I'm gonna make it into a movie." Um, apparently Saul was like already had the play marked down. He was like, oh, "I'm already gonna go see it." Um, okay, yeah, cool. So you know he. He went to see it, but he he didn't love it, not convinced. Uh, but he told a story that like um, they like went to see it together, and he was like, uh, and Milos, I said I wasn't convinced, and Milos hit me on the arm, and I still have a bruise to this day, twenty years later. <laughs> nice. Um, and he was like, look, it all it needs is quote Mozart music and Mozart. <laughs> so I, I don't know. How what about somehow... Salieri? Yeah, what about Salieri? Exactly. But apparently that convinced uh, Saul. Saul, uh, that's that's all he needed to say. Apparently, so he mm-hmm. was on board. So after that, you know, Milos goes to Peter and he's like, "All right, we're gonna make this movie." But uh, uh, he sorry, warned Peter. Him, uh, Peter Schaefer. Peter Hall. The, Peter Schaefer. Schaefer, yeah, yeah, yeah. The writer of the of the stage production. Yeah. The nineteen seventy nine, and he goes, "Okay, we're gonna make it into a movie." I hope you're okay with that because everything's going to be different once we turn it into a movie. So I'm just going to warn you that everything's going to be different. Yeah, so basically he brought on Peter Schaefer. They worked, they decided to like basically come up with the movie together. So Peter Schaefer's credit is as the, as the screenwriter. The writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems that Milos was also pretty heavily involved because they apparently... <laughs> This sounded like a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah? They they locked each other in Milos's, quote, flat, hammering, mm-hmm. out, uh, hammering out a script. Um, and basically, they worked nine to five, Monday to Friday, like, living together, basically. And then Milos was saying that they would separate on the weekend and then just totally ignore each other, not talk to each other, pretend that the other one didn't exist. And then... Milos would go drive over and pick up Peter Schaefer on Sunday evening, and then they would go back to oh god, <laughs> go back to the 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 the, uh, the apartment and start just fucking writing again. He he called it Peter Schaefer called it a prison. <laughs> that doesn't sound nice. No, it didn't sound 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 nice. It, it according to Saul, because uh, I assume he was talking to both of them about it. The relationship was beyond tumultuous. Oh, really? Everyone involved described it thusly. I mean, they were kind of laughing about it in retrospect. Yeah? But it seemed like they really... But it seemed like they really had... uh, They clashed. Right, okay. I'm surprised they managed to to make it to the end of this experience. I know. They managed to actually get a working script out of it and, like, not... That's surprising. Like, you know hate each other like deep down to their core i guess because they seem to be talking about each other with you know relative well not hatred at least (laughs) 
Yeah, some level of mutual respect. Exactly, exactly. Great quote from Milos. Uh, he was talking about how they didn't get along. He said, I hated his cooking and he hated my cooking. <sighs> and my first interpretation to that was he was like using that as like a, an analogy for like, you know, their styles of writing. No, they were literally they were, living he together. Literally, yeah. He was just talking about his cooking. Cause, yeah. <laughs> they were just living together, cooking for each other. I don't understand why that part was necessary. <laughs> no, I don't either. But why? Why did they have to literally live together? Like, like sequester themselves? Like yeah. I don't know. Like four months of that, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, I don't that's... really know why that was necessary, but. But apparently, anyway, they, they he was saying. Uh, Milos was saying they were super, super lucky because obviously all the music's there already. Yeah, you had some really good music you didn't have to spend any money on. Exactly. So, well, you had to pay the orchestra. Well, yeah, that's but that's worth it. Yeah, we'll talk about that a bit more. The music in this movie is obviously super interesting because it's mm-hmm. pre-made music, but that was recorded for this movie. Yeah, um, which is cool. But yeah, because obviously the movie, the music exists, they would spend, you know, several hours a day just listening to the Mozart music, you know, trying to figure out how to use what, where. And this is when they started being like, we started thinking of the music as like a character in the movie. It was like, Mm -hmm. it was supposed to be super, super important. And uh, Peter was saying he, he, he was adamant that he didn't want the music to repeat. Like he didn't want like a Mozart theme. Yeah. Right, like, he didn't yeah. want, like, a swelling theme that was, like, when there's, like, a love. He didn't want a love theme. What he wanted right. was, like, he didn't want the music to be used as an emotional effect. He wanted the music to be the, the emotional, like, catalyst in the foreground, if that makes right. sense. Which I think it was, which I think is well, why. I, yeah, I mean, literally, a lot of the movie is just us watching the opera. Exactly, which is, that that's what they were going for, and I liked it. I can see how... I can see how it can miss the target, but yeah, but it worked for me. <laughs> okay, but yeah, we already mentioned kind of we talked about the casting a little bit earlier, just briefly how they wanted you know lesser known actors. Um, yeah, and this is kind of because you know he didn't want them with the Mark Hamill you know thing. You know he didn't want yeah them he to didn't think want of... uh, Luke Skywalker to be in his movie. Exactly, he wanted Mozart in his movie. Um, yeah, poor, poor Mark. I know. Apparently, well, apparently, he even told Mark he's like, I, according to Mark Hamill, he said something along the lines of, you know, I don't, I want people to see Mozart. I don't want people to see Mozart in space. Wow, harsh. Ah, like, oh, brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he was talking about Tom Holmes' cast because he was, he said he was an excellent actor and he knew music very well. He didn't yeah. really mention. Tom Holtz very much in the, in the interview I was watching, but I guess he did his job well. I felt he came across as very unlikable in the uh, in the film, which was possibly the intention. Yeah, he he certainly was not a likable character. Character. <laughs> yeah, like Mozart's a bit of a fucking dickhead. Yeah, the absolutely. Whole time. I mean, everyone in this movie is honestly not the most likable. Yeah. Almost Salieri is the most relatable character. It's true, because, like, I feel like Salieri, like, obviously he goes a bit off the deep end. Yeah. But, like, I think his, like, his initial feeling is very relatable. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and, why and is the... this guy? Why is this guy so successful when he's a fucking piece of shit? Exactly. You know? the, the root of his whole thing is extremely relatable. And then yeah, yeah exactly. Say, he goes off the deep end. But, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Apparently, Tom Hulse was saying, uh, he thought the director hated him at first. He's really? Like, he got a really bad like even during the like auditioning process, he was like, he felt like he was being treated like poorly compared to other people mm-hmm. um and then he sort of came to realize that it was like because he had kind of selected him for the part basically oh, and that at he that didn't, point he didn't have to keep like bringing him back and shit yeah and he was well he was just saying like the people who he wasn't going to like cast he always kind of seemed to treat with like a slightly more gentle like oh okay. <laughs> which is interesting because he didn't want to be too harsh maybe yeah and then once you're in the movie it's like okay i expect more of you i'm gonna be super critical and like you know i'm gonna be right yeah interesting like, i'm gonna start directing you before you're even i before you even know your cast right yeah 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 <laughs> which is interesting. interesting and then this i love this detail i thought this was super interesting as well he was talking about how he he spent so much time casting the bit roles, like the side characters, mm-hmm. like all the people in uh, the Emperor's Court, people like that. And he said he spent almost more time casting these people than the leads because they needed to be so specific in his head. Yeah, well, because you got to have everything, like with the extras, for example, or like people that don't have speaking roles, like everything needs to come across by just visual. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Exactly. And so you can't you can't actually rely on somebody's acting so much. I mean you can if but I mean you're not gonna expect well they don't have the opportunity in the in these roles. Exactly. So you kinda just have to get the right person. Exactly. And that's why often bit characters look very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And that is the case in this movie, but because he was saying he, he, I like this. He was saying he hated when he was watching a movie, and you know you have like a a bit character who's there in one scene, and then yeah. they come back ten minutes later. And he's like, but then you know all these characters look the same, and you don't know who anyone is, and you get all confused. And I was like, wow, that's very relatable coming from a film director. Surprisingly relatable about watching a film coming from a film yeah, director. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because usually I feel like film directors are very unrelatable. You know. Well, they're usually focused on like. Some other aspect, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Some very specific aspect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's looking for very individual people, and I think all the people in the court, he really nailed it. Like, you know, the guy who's the director of the music is, has a very particular look. Yeah. And then, like, uh, the, uh, the other guy, I don't know what his job is, but the other guy who's always there who's making faces at the director of music... <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The big yeah. guy. Like, you know who I'm talking yeah. about, that guy. I, I know who you're talking about, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I definitely didn't have the, that problem watching this movie. Absolutely not. Not and knowing who people are. And I thought, that's why this quote, I found it so interesting, because I, I have that problem a lot, and yeah. I didn't have it with this. So then, you have F. Murray Abraham as cast, right? Um, yeah. We mentioned him early, earlier. Uh, his story bet is pretty, pretty funny. He, um... He read, originally apparently auditioned for a bit part, but apparently after the audition, uh, uh, somebody there was reading for Mozart, 
Um, yeah. So Milos asked uh, Abraham to like stick around and just read for Salieri. Uh-huh. And apparently he was really good at it. He did a great job. Oh, so he was just like, well, you should do this role instead. Yeah, well, he, and he like, kept pushing him, and he's like, well, why don't you read the old man part, you know? Yeah. And uh, Abraham was like, well, I haven't, I haven't practiced for, you know, I haven't, I don't know how to do that. And, uh, uh, you know. Uh, right, meanwhile, he was, he was like, secretly like, being like, I'm one cat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so anyway, he nails it. And a couple days later, he gets the call that he's, quote, the first choice. Oh, wow. Um, which is, he's not impressed by this at all. He's not pleased. Um, what he said is like, you know, I've been around for a while, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and he knew that being the first choice uh, didn't pay rent. It didn't mean that he was getting hired. So he was like, he's basically like, all right, great. Let me know when I'm in the movie. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. So uh, they apparently asked him. He was like, okay, well. Why don't you come in and we're gonna do this kind of improv thing with a bunch of potential people, you know? Uh-huh. And he's just like, "No, I'm not gonna do oh. that. Just, <laughs> just, just let me know if I have the part or not." Well, because then... he he didn't come in wanting to be Salieri necessarily. Exactly. Yeah, he came in for a bit part. And yeah, a bit. and uh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, and Zance was like, uh put off by this but Milos was like this is perfect you know I, this is the guy I want to be this character he's like Salieri off screen I don't know what that means but that's what he, he, he thought he was yeah good. I mean yeah I mean he's, he is an excellent casting like he, yeah, he's one he... of the best people in this movie yeah definitely um, and he won, obviously won the Oscar for it which he should have I think excellent stuff uh, at the time though he was doing a, a little film known as Scarface yeah. Uh, which that came out. When did that come out? Nineteen eighty four as well. Yeah. Or was it nineteen eighty three? I don't know off the top of my head. Nineteen eighty three. Nineteen eighty three. Okay, just just the year before. Yeah. So this is weird. He was doing Scarface at the time, and he said when he got the part, the uh, the attitude of the big actors sort of changed towards him. When he uh, got the part as. Scarface or Salieri? Uh, Salieri. He wasn't Scarface. He was, uh... Yeah, in Scarface. He was... What was the guy's name? He was a guy who was, like, killed by... He was, like, the the, the, the goon of Scarface's boss. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's just some... He, basically, he was just sort of, like, uh, some actor, you know, who was doing his uh-huh. job. And the way he put it, that, like, as soon as he got this role, which was like apparently a role that everybody wanted, people started right. like kind of treating him differently. And he didn't really explain oh, what that meant, but he was like, "Yeah, there's." So he was nervous because all of a sudden there were these big shoes he had to fill. Right. Yeah. But he nailed it. Obviously. Yeah. So this is the last little detail about pre-production here. Um, and it was just about kind of the where they were gonna shoot, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Because obviously the the uh, architecture is super important in this movie. The setting, super yeah. You important. wanted to, uh, you want some old looking shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and according to uh, Milos, there were only three possible cities that had the correct, uh, correct eighteenth century architecture. Um, he said it was Vienna, Budapest, or Prague. And so Vienna obviously is where it's set. Where, yeah, exactly. So you would think that, like, you know, well, shooting in Vienna. 
one would think. Um, yeah. They ended up shooting in a couple places. Prague was where they shot most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was ideal. There's an amazing quote that he said. Well, yeah, he said that uh, it was because of the communist inefficiency <laughs> that the 18th century architecture was basically not messed with. Which is hilarious, but yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, you know, they... makes sense. Also, um, I'm sure it was cheaper to shoot it there than it was in Vienna. Yeah, also true. Yeah. So as we mentioned earlier, Milos was born in uh, in Czechoslovakia when it was Czechoslovakia, yeah. and it or... was it was Czechoslovakia when this movie was made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It was in the '90s that they uh, peacefully I'm separated. I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it's not currently was the point I was making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this movie was shot in Czechoslovakia, modern day Czech Republic or Czechia, if you prefer. If you prefer. But apparently, yeah, he moved to the U.S. in 1968, um, mm-hmm. which, as you can imagine, he probably didn't go over well with the, uh, you know, the Soviets. Well, yeah, well, he wasn't in Prague anymore. I worried. Well, was it the Czechoslovakia anymore? Presumably, I don't know. I feel like he was probably just freer to make his movies. In the, yeah, no, in the no, no, totally, totally. Yeah, because um, from what I understand, Czechoslovakia wasn't. Like, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was in the Soviet Union proper, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, Like, the, right. it was easier to move back and forth. Yeah, well, it's kind of on the periphery. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, when they, when he returned to Prague to try and, like, negotiate the, uh, you know, shooting the film there, mm-hmm. that was actually the first time he had actually returned since... Oh, that he'd been back to Czechoslovakia since... Yeah. No, uh, he left. Which... Is intense. It's yeah, definitely. Intense. And he called it obviously an emotional time, mm-hmm. uh, because he had been under the impression when he left that he would never go back. Yeah. Um, and obviously things had changed a bit by the time. By uh, the mid eighties. Yeah. And yeah, he was like, I quickly had to like put this aside because like I knew it was gonna affect. Now I have the... to make a fucking movie. Yeah, exactly. So that was interesting. But yeah, well, yeah, we'll, that's that's basically the pre-production. There's so. So much more to talk about, yeah. In the production and all everything else, uh, we're just really, really just getting started, and uh, yeah. But yeah, but a lot before more. Before we're week. back next week. Oh yeah, we got one more segment for you. Welcome to Six Degrees of Star Trek. This is the segment in which we connect this film, Star Trek, in some way, shape, or form. Yes, in through some, uh... some number of degrees, less than <laughs> or equal to six. <laughs> Was it less than or equal to in this episode? I don't think we've actually ever done a six. Yeah, I don't think it's ever got come to that. It's never needed six. No, it's always... Which, you know, further reinforces that this is a good mechanism. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like we've The most we ever ever do is three, really. Yeah, I feel like rarely it goes beyond three. Yeah. So, what do you think? You think this was, you think this was, uh, this was easy? I think there's going to be a lot of 
two and threes. I don't know that there's any one. Actually, no, there is one. There is. There is. It's did, the. Uh, did you recognize him? Yeah, yeah, the guy at the beginning. The. Because uh... he was very. He, that that's that's a very you know, unique looking background actor. Yeah, yeah, that guy at the beginning who plays Salieri's uh like butler basically. Uh, I don't know. Uh yeah. I forget what that actor's name is. Wait, hold on. Oh. Well. You're I about to tell, tell me, you. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Vincent Chiavelli. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> so he was in. This is a direct connection, by the yeah. way. He was in an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation in mm-hmm. 1988, called mm-hmm. "The Arsenal of Freedom." Yes. And he plays, quote unquote, the peddler. I I vaguely remember this because so he's some guy who like tries to sell weapons to people I guess yeah yeah I haven't seen this episode in a while but what season is it it's season uh one oh season geez. one right yeah yeah Yikes. right it's, uh yeah late season one late season one I do I really I do yeah season I one him. is not a great season but there's some. There's some peaks on in there though. But There's this is like in valley. the middle of the writer strike too. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah, well. but anyway, um Whatchamacallit yeah, so he's in that episode and he at the beginning of this film plays like the guy, one of um Salieri's attendants, I guess, who uh discovers basically him. finds him as he's attempting suicide. Yeah. Um so that's 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 one direct connection. Right. But you want to know another one? Yeah, there's another direct connection. There's a few. There's more direct connections. Okay, well, hold on. Let me just look at, for a second at the cast here, and let me think for a second. Don't don't click anything. No, I won't click anything. I'm just looking at the at the name here. I'm trying to remember. F. Murray Abraham wasn't in Star Trek, was he? Do you want me to tell you? Who, who Who's the next person? Yeah, who's the next person? F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> I knew it. He was in uh, Star Trek Insurrection. Oh, there you wow. Go. There's a picture of him. He was uh, Rufau, a, uh one of the Baku. That's F. That Murray you Abraham? Know Baku... Yeah, look yeah. at him. Yeah, yeah. You know wow. who... You've ever seen that movie? You know who the Baku are. Yeah. Yeah, that's another direct connection right there. Star of the film. It's in Star Trek. Insurrection. Sick. That's awesome. But yeah, that's I... not it. So the star of the film is in... Wow. Okay, go on. What's next? We have another actor who is in Star Trek. A direct connection? A direct connection. Nicholas... Kepros, who, uh, if you watch the movie, is like what was what was the the name of the character, Archbishop Colorado. Oh, the Archbishop of Salzburg. Yes. Who he's like working for at first. Yeah, exactly. And he was in two episodes. Yeah, that of... guy definitely has an alien face. Well. He, Why yeah, he definitely was a fucking Klingon. 
Yeah, so he played General Movar in two episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, he's got... He's Redemption got, uh... Part 1 and 2. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. he was a Klingon. Yeah, yeah, he's got a... He's got a, you know, um, kind of general way about him. Uh, uh, no, he was a Romulan. Never mind, Romulan. He was a Romulan. Let me show you a picture of him. I do remember that episode. That's a good episode. There's like a, a, a um, that Romulan like standoff, basically. Yeah, exactly. And then they have to like, yeah. Anyway, but there go you on. go. Three connections, and you guessed there would be none. Yeah, three I direct connections. Be three. I, I should have been... thought harder about it because yeah, yeah. That that first guy was the one. Like he's super alieny. And for some he's reason, he's not felt... even an alien in the movie in in, in Star Trek. Really well, he's, he looks like an alien, so yeah, I feel like a... he's been an alien in something. Was he in Men in Black? Let's find out. I think that's very possible. No, he was not. Oh, wait, no, wait, sorry, no, I didn't click the right thing. Let me double check that again. No, he wasn't. Oh, he was in Ghost, he was the subway ghost. Oh, well, that's there you go. He's Those... been in. At least one episode of the X Files. Yeah, yeah, he was Lanny. Yeah, I feel like if you're in an episode of Star Trek, like in like the 80s or 90s, there's a good chance you're also in the X Files. He was also in an episode of Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> yeah, was Mark Hamill in that episode? <laughs> I have to, let's see. <laughs> Which guys that would be a connection? The episode was Zatanna. Okay, actually. Uh, Mark Hamill's not listed in this episode. Okay, well then the Joker wasn't in it. Doesn't seem like. But yeah, there we go. That's Star Trek connections. That's awesome. Six degrees of it. Fuck yeah. Well, yeah. That's awesome. Well done. Thank you. So, uh. So yeah, that's uh I guess that'll be our episode for this week. It we've, will be. Uh, we've uh, rambled and we've we've almost come to blows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, we're not in movie. studio today together. So that couldn't actually happen. Yeah, yeah, or else we certainly would have had a fist fight over this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so maybe next week we'll we'll do it in studio and we'll actually <laughs> fist fight over this movie. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> um, yeah. See you All guys right. next week. Next week. More stuff. So.